0: Well, it is good to be here this morning? Um, had a good trip this week. <laughs> um, some of you I know, and this is where I just want to say thank you. I know I know I was prayed for. I know that you guys were were praying for me. I was getting some text messages from people. I was getting uh, messages on Facebook of we're praying for. You. I'm hearing from Julie saying, "Hey, we, I, I know you're being covered in prayer." I drove. If you haven't heard the story, I won't go the whole story. But um, we moved here about a month ago, almost a month ago, and. Um, my truck didn't quite make the trip with us. It made it to Fort St. John. And so Wednesday, I'm trying to remember my days. This is like, this is Sunday. I'm, I'm sure of that part, but um, <laughs> Wednesday I flew from Kenai to Anchorage, Anchorage to Seattle, Seattle to Vancouver, and then um, had packed my backpacking cot, slept in the Vancouver airport, which is just everything you could imagine. It was, it was that great, at least that great, um, Slept in the airport and then jumped on this little plane from Vancouver to Fort St. John, got to Fort St. John about lunchtime, and then I started driving (laughs) and driving and driving and driving. I drove from Fort St. John to Whitehorse, which is about 850 miles after all of that rest that I had gotten in the airport the night before. Um, My wife spoke sanity and said, can I please get you a hotel in Whitehorse instead of sleeping in your truck on the side of the Alaska Highway? Um, So I did that. Uh, Slept in the hotel and then drove not yesterday, Friday. I drove from Whitehorse to Soldotna, uh, which was also a really long drive, not one that I'd recommend doing. Don't... Yeah. <laughs> but, man, um, but it went well. The truck is parked in the parking lot, so I feel like my whole, my whole world is now present here in Alaska, which is a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for uh, just the way you have supported our family and loved us through this whole transition process. Uh, we are in Week three this morning of a series. I feel like I need to do what Brent does, where he's like, the, We're leaning in, right? It's just like <laughs> um, the idea that, that there are moments, and we see them in scripture so plainly, these, these moments where Jesus invites us to, um, to lean in, where we're actually confronted. Where I had a professor once that said, You have to fall off the log, right? You have to kind of like, it's one way or another, you have to make a choice. Uh, and so we've talked over the last few weeks, we've talked about the Good Samaritan, and it was Jesus saying to someone who came and was asking questions and trying to understand the kind of the bullet list and the checklist. And he said, just, just do this, right? Be the neighbor. And then last week we talked to Mary and Martha, and I hope that was life-giving for some of us that need to be set free from that Martha reality. Um, it's going to take time. It probably didn't all happen this past week. We've got some, some work to do. Um, but Jesus says, stay close right? Recognize that I am here with you. And so it's this moment where it's, are we going to lean out? Are we going to lean into God's presence? And then this week, now we talk about how do we relate to Jesus? If we talk in this whole broader context of the the passages that we've been spending time in, it's this this opportunity to lean in and in relationship with others. And now we're leaning in, what does it look like for us to, to be in relationship with God? One of the things that you'll notice when you start to see something in scripture, it's Amazing how you start, once you notice it, you start to see it all over the place. But one of the things that you'll see as you spend time in Scripture around this idea um, is that so many of the lean-in moments, so many of the moments where people are, are, cre- are, are given the opportunity, where Jesus invites them to, to have an opportunity and a moment to, to lean in or to lean out. That it often starts with someone coming with some sort of expectation. Right? They they either want to see Jesus do something, whether it's it's proving himself or or doing some kind of sign or wonder that would show who he really is, and they have this expectation that they're placing on him, or um, it's someone that that comes and they just want something from Jesus. Right? And it's not bad things, right? It's it's they want to be healed, they want to experience something, that they they come with a certain set of expectations. And then what happens is in the midst of that conversation, what starts with expectations, what starts with this kind of like hopeful approach to Jesus, Jesus takes them from not just what they came for, but invites them to to live in a different way, to see things in a different kind of way. The problem is people come with expectations. The problem is we come with expectations, and Jesus did not come to earth simply to meet expectations or to grant requests, right? We can at least get our heads around that. We can understand that. As we look at Scripture, we can understand that in our own lives. For us, that problem, the expectation problem, the problem of how do we actually relate? How do we actually live in connection with God? um, It plays out in in two ways, and the first one is this. Problem one is that we're all products of our culture, right? We're all products of our culture that, that we are in this world, the gravitational pull, the reality that we operate in, the kind of the the water that we're swimming in is, is that we are consumers, right? In our world, and in our world, that means that if we're consumers, then we're at least, we have a sense that we're in control, right? The customer is always right, that we can get on Amazon and we're one click away from just about anything that we want. It takes you know, a little bit of time for it to get here to Alaska, but we can essentially be in control. Um, That's one of the things, by the way, you've had to get used to in Denver. It was literally, they would give you the option of Amazon delivering same day. Like, would you like it in two hours or would you like it tomorrow? And it's like, in Alaska, that option just, it it just disappeared when we got here. It was (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) what to do with that? Um, so maybe someday, right, it'll be a drone that comes to Alaska, and we're going to get all sorts of things right away. Uh, but we are consumers, and in our world, that means that we're in control, right? We can find what we want, we can, we can look, and, and if we don't get what we want, then we can find somewhere to get what we want. We have technology, like Amazon, or like other technologies, which are good, that make our lives better, that make things a little bit easier. Um, but what happens is, as consumers, and as consumers who are in control, who have options, who know how to continue to look for things and to find what they're actually looking for and to get what they want. That technology, the, the culture that we live in, allows us to both be in control as consumers, right? or at least to, sent, to feel like we're in control, and to be at a distance, right? It used to be that to be in control, you had to have some sort of proximity, but now we can actually be in control. We can, we can get what we want without even having to actually enter into um, some different kind of place that, that technology allows us to be both in control and at a distance. And so you want to talk about the problem. You want to talk about how this starts to create some sort of gravitational pull that, that takes us away from the formational reality that, that Jesus is inviting us into, is that distance and control are safe our right? Distance and control don't require anything from us. If we don't get what we want or if things get difficult, we simply move on to another option. Right? We can change the channel. We can find another source. We can find someone willing to provide what we're looking for on our terms. I wrote in my notes that we are consumers and spectators doing what we do best, observing and controlling. Either our expectations are met or we move on. Right? This is the reality. This is the gravitational pull. This is the, 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 the world that we're operating in. This is problem number one, which leads us to problem number, number two, is that when, we come to, when it comes to our relationship with God, we are not in control. Um, and we are not just, spectac- not just spectators. Our human expectations are on a collision course with divine reality. So what do we do about it? Right? So what, what can we do if that's the, if that's the reality if that's the water that we swim in if that's the kind of the, the, the culture that we're operating in if we are products of our culture with with a gravitational pull that's that's moving us in and, and and creating opportunity for us to live just the way we want to live in that kind of way that we can be in control and we can be safely at a distance. What can we do? Where do we start? The beautiful thing is that that Jesus gives us a place to start. When Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, when he's talking about this countercultural reality, this this thing that we face now, but they faced in in their own kind of way 2,000 years ago, Jesus starts with prayer. He starts with the connection. So we're going to spend time this morning in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. For some, this is a familiar passage, or at least a portion of this will be a familiar passage. Luke starts recording this story this way. Luke, the historian, talking about the, the beginning of this Christian movement, right? He says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Luke had this particular focus in the, in the gospel of Luke, more so than, than Matthew or Mark or, or John. Luke, every, each of the gospel writers had a specific lens or a way of looking at kind of the, the, the story of Jesus. And for Luke, he was interested as a historian looking back saying, well, well how did this start? Right, what were the elements that made this, this thing actually durable? This, this Christian movement, this thing that's starting to sweep the world that, that Luke is trying to give this orderly account of the way the church started and Luke focuses on Jesus' praying more so than, than any of the other gospel accounts. It's looking back as a historian, trying to understand the seed that, that was formed, this, this seed that, that grew into this movement that he's now reporting on. And so Luke records one of the disciples saying to Jesus, so would you teach us, as John taught his disciples, would you teach us how to pray? This is not them saying, we have no idea how to pray. This is not them saying, this is like, what are we supposed to say? This is the disciple saying, look, within each kind of like stream of followers of God, there's, there's, they're identified in many ways by their prayers. Right? Theologic, uh, prayers are theological. Prayers reveal what we believe about God. Prayers give us a sense of kind of a framework for understanding the relationship we have with God. And so there's this whole history within the within the people who followed God, of, of set prayers, these prayers that were, were consistent in structure, that were consistent in, in wording, that they would be used to, to kind of identify themselves as part of that particular tribe that would give them a sense of, of, of which stream they were part of. These prayers set the foundation for worship. And so Jesus responds. And he says to them, now that we're not talking just to the one disciple, he's talking to the other disciples as well. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And you can imagine, for the disciples, I wonder, putting myself in their shoes, thinking there's got to be more to it than that. Right, there's got to be more to it than, than such a simple statement. It's, it's just a, a couple of sentences that would take just a moment to, to pray and thinking, if we're talking about connection with God, right, if we're talking about this, this act of worship, this thing that identifies us as, as kind of the, like the, the tribe that's following Jesus, this unique identity that we have as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as, as John taught his disciples, now Jesus is teaching us the, this defining prayer for this kind of group of people following after Jesus. You can just imagine, maybe, is that it? right? Shouldn't we say more if we're talking to the God of the universe, if we're trying to identify who we are and, and who God is, if we're trying to figure out how to make a theological statement, if we're trying to do the things that would define this little tribe, doesn't it need to be more than that? Shouldn't we be saying more? It feels like we should have more words to say. But it's simple, and it's so densely packed with beautiful statements like, Father, And it's full of adoration. It's giving God the glory for what he has done and for what he's doing. It reveals dependence, right? It talks of give us this day. Speaks of relationship with with God and with others. This this foundation of forgiveness that defines the relationship that we have with God and that we can have with each other as we live in healthy relationship. It speaks of protection against temptation and these, these tests and these trials, this Protection, as one one scholar says, it's protection from anything that undermines God's glory, that threatens our lives or damages our relationship with God. And so Jesus speaks this prayer simply, beautifully said, complete in its structure that that reveals enough about God for us to be calibrated, for us to, to give him glory, for us to understand who we're talking to. It's not a radically different prayer, right? Others have prayed similar prayers. There were other people like John that had given his disciples things that, that they should be praying. In 1 Chronicles 29, David prays this way. And starting in verse 10 of 1 Chronicles 29, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, for the God, or the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. And your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise to your glorious name. Right? This is David praying a long, long time before Jesus gave the prayer to the disciples. But in structure, it's similar, right? You even hear some of the same kind of language. This would have been a familiar prayer for them, a prayer that they would have celebrated. They would have understood maybe some of the, the, the things that, that Jesus was using, right? This is not a radically different prayer that Jesus is giving them. He's not giving them some sort of like magical kind of statement that they can say to, to get what they want from God. He's not giving them something brand new that's, that's utterly unlike anything that's ever been done before. But he gives them this statement. He gives them this prayer. He gives them this structure for how they connect with God, for the way that they can speak and listen and be in conversation and relationship with God. But Jesus doesn't stop with giving them the prayer. Right? Jesus doesn't stop with just giving them what they came for. Right? They, they, they came and they said, Jesus, we have this expectation that you will give us a prayer, right? that you would give us some sort of statement that would, that would help identify us as followers of you when we speak to God. But in this kind of lean-in moment, this moment where Jesus continues the conversation, where expectations have, have been met now, but Jesus is taking them beyond their expectations. He didn't just give them a new prayer. He helped them see God in a new way because the passage and the conversation doesn't stop after the, the, what we would call the Lord's Prayer has been given. Jesus gave them what they asked for and at the same time offered them more if they were willing to accept it. This is the lean-in moment. This is Jesus continuing the conversation, saying, I've given you what you came for. Now, will you lean in? Will you listen? Will you understand the kind of relationship that you're actually being invited into? In verse five, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, right? And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, right? Reasonable, reasonable. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give uh, you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is beginning to describe the relationship, right? And he's saying, look, what if we saw God as friend, right? What if we saw God as as someone we are connected with enough that, that we know our friend might be frustrated with us if we go knocking on the door? But because of the relationship that we have, we can trust that we're still going to be friends in the morning, even after I woke him up in the middle of the night to get bread for my other friend. This new way of seeing God as as a friend, this this friendship, this relationship that, that gives us shameless audacity in approaching him. Shameless audacity is what opens the door, but how do we get to that point? I wrote here that, one of the ways is friendship, that we actually trust the relationship that we have with God, that if we're going to take Jesus seriously, if we're going to lean in when, when Jesus invites us to lean in, we, we don't just take the words and the structure of the prayer, but we, we take the perspective that Jesus gives us in the midst of giving us the prayer, saying we pray on, fo- on the foundation of the relationship that we have with God, right? That, that, the, that the words are important and what we say is, is important, but we do this with shameless audacity because of the relationship that we have. There's a sense of urgency, and there's this willingness to ask. In some ways, there's a willingness to to risk the friendship, to to put it on the line, to say, I'm going to risk getting turned down. For some of us, it means asking again, right? Knocking on the door again. In verse 9, Jesus says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened jesus speaks of god as provider right friend and provider this perspective kind of like framing out the way of understanding that it's not just about the words that you say it's not just about giving some sort of like magic password to get what we want from god Jesus says, I'm going to give you words. I'm going to give you what you came for. I'm going to give you so much more. I'm going to give you perspective and confidence and a relationship that you maybe haven't even realized that you could have with God. This friend, this provider. And in verse 11, this father. And Jesus says, which of you fathers? If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? Oh, ask him. Friend, provider, father. Right? The disciples came and they were looking for just a simple, a prayer, and Jesus gives them Perspective. The, disciples, the disciple makes a request and, and it becomes his lean-in moment for, for him. It becomes a lean-in moment for the disciples. It becomes for us as, as we now hear this passage, and maybe for some of us it's, it's the first time that we're thinking about it, not just in the, in the, in the context of the prayer, but also in the, in the perspective and the relationship that's offered along with it. It becomes a lean-in moment. Jesus' response echoes across time to a moment for us where everything we want just about, is a click away, right? Where everything we want is, 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 is just a click away where we have options if our expectations aren't met, where we can keep ourselves safely at a distance, where we can get what we came for without much being required of us. For us who are living in a time when it's easy to be a spectator and it's easy to be a consumer. And it's like Jesus, as he's answering the question, as he's meeting the expectations, as he's giving the structure and a framework and words for prayer, it's like he's having this conversation, and now looking at us across time saying, spectators, come on down, right? Come on to the field. Consumers, can we, can we lean in and actually become aligned with him? Jesus calls to the spectators and the consumers and says, lean in. Leaning in, talking about this, right? We're talking about leaning in. This is the, 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 the framework and the lens that we're looking at this passage. Leaning in, is a move from spectator to participant, right? To lean in. What do we do? What does leaning in look like in this passage? What does it look like for us to take Jesus seriously when he offers us this new opportunity, this new perspective, this way to connect with God? That leaning in means that we move from a spectator just observing from a distance what's happening, and we hear Jesus say, come on in, right? Get involved in this thing, that that you actually become a participant in this, that in the, in the prayer that Jesus gives, he talks of not just being forgiven, but being a forgiving people, right? To be able to, to, to live in an active kind of way in response to what God is already doing. Leaning in is a move from spectator to participant, right? It changes our role. And then leaning in is a move from control to alignment, which is a radical change in the goal right? From control to alignment, to to move from being a consumer who is in control, that that everything they want is a click away, that's used to everything being about us, the customer always being right. And Jesus offers us this opportunity to, to make a move from control to alignment, to say, God, what is it that you're doing? How can I get in on that? Right? How, do, how, do I, how do I see what you're up to and, and become a participant in what you're doing that, that I actually move from not just the being in control and thinking that I leverage God, that, that God is like some kind of like Amazon, right? That, that I can just click and get what I want. If I can get the right words, if I can pray in the right kind of way, then God's going to give me what I want. That we come to him with control, the expectation that if we say the right things, if we speak the right words, that, that we're going to get what we want from God, that it's some sort of transaction that's based on what we say. Leaning in, in particular when we talk about prayer, is a move from us being in control to us being aligned with God. Say, God, I'm going to speak. and I'm going to listen. And I want to know what your heart is. And I want to understand what you want from me. And I want to understand what your goals are. And, and instead of me being in control, I want to be in alignment with you. That I want you to take my life and, and begin to do the kinds of things that, that, that just focus my heart and my mind on you. God, I want to be aligned. And we're invited this morning to make a move. And as Jesus meets the disciples where they are, and as Jesus meets us where we are, it starts with better prayers, right? This this better outcome, this better life that that, that we're invited to live, the move that we're invited to make starts with praying better prayers. So how do we pray better prayers? How do we pray these leaning in kind of prayers? Leaning in prayers that give a framework for it, leaning in prayers using Jesus' words are, are shamelessly audacious, right? They're they're rooted in friendship. They're rooted in the the kind of friendship where it's like, I can come and ask you whether, whatever time of day it is, I'm going to come and I'm going to knock on your door. Leaning in prayers are shamelessly audacious. Audacious prayers are rooted in relationship with God. That Jesus makes it so clear, right? It would be such a disappointment, I think, for, for Jesus to, to see us where we take just the words of the prayer and we forget the context that those words were given, this, this context of relationship, of, of connection with God. That Jesus paints this picture of prayer that's relational, not technical. That's relational, not just this, the, the, this technical way of praying. That our confidence in prayer doesn't grow out of the words that we say. Right? It doesn't grow out of, of perfectly following after the, the, the words that we think we're, that, that are right. Our confidence and prayer grows out of the pictures that Jesus used, friend and provider and father. This relationship with God creates a safe environment for bold, for shamelessly audacious prayers and for connection with God, which leads us to the next piece of audacious prayers. Audacious prayers confront our brokenness. Audacious prayers confront our brokenness, that the words, that if the disciples were listening to what they're saying in 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 the Lord's prayers, they're listening to the words that Jesus gave, it speaks of confession. It says, God, forgive us when we miss the mark. God, forgive us for all the times that we get it wrong, even as we forgive others, right? As we kind of like move that outwards, but it starts with us not being where we're supposed to be, right? It starts with us living in some sort of brokenness that's, that's deeply in need of forgiveness. Audacious prayers confront our brokenness first in confession and then in dependence, saying that we are dependent on God, that we can't provide what we need for ourselves, that we rely on God for the very things that, that keep us moving to the next day. that audacious prayers confront our brokenness. They confront or create opportunity for confession, that they remind us of our dependence, audacious prayers bring us into alignment with God. Audacious prayers don't just get us what we want, right? Audacious prayers aren't just about us getting and speaking the words that that get us what we came for, but audacious prayers bring us into alignment with God. Audacious prayers connect us with the heart of God. That alignment, as we pray, means that we don't just ask for what we want, we seek what God wants. Jesus says, who if they're asking for the Holy Spirit, that would God not give the Holy Spirit to right? God wants to give good things to give us the guide, the helper, the one who would lead the way for us, the one that would would come alongside us and and point us in the direction that we should go. Audacious prayers are balanced and complete, balanced in the sense that that we allow God to teach us how to pray. There's a simple format. If you've kind of like looking for a structure that is to kind of understand a healthy way to pray, to have a balanced way to pray. There's an acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S. It's adoration. It starts with giving God credit for who he is. Right? It starts with us saying, God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your, for your care for us. God, you spoke creation into existence. God, you are good. It starts with adoration, and then We confess. Say, God, we know we missed the mark. God, forgive us for the times that that we're not going to get it right. God, give us the strength to to, to live in the way that you've created us to live. That we give adoration, that we confess, that we express gratitude, thanksgiving. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for getting me safely from Fort St. John to Soldotna, Alaska. right? Give God credit, specific credit for his goodness and for his greatness and for what he has done for us. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. That's when when we just simply ask God humbly for what we came for. Say, God, give us this day our daily bread. Right? Make sure that we have what we need. God, would you make sure that, that my needs are met? That audacious prayers are balanced and complete. They're balanced because they, they have the pieces necessary for the, for the foundation, right? For us to remember who we are, for, for us to remember who we're talking to, to, to remember that we don't just run in and ask God like we're clicking on something on Amazon to, to say this is what we want. We come in and we pause and we give God credit, that we give Him glory, that we align ourselves, that we begin to, to listen, that we give God credit for who He is. They're balanced and they're complete, that it's a conversation. It's not just us speaking, but it's also us listening. That we take time, that we listen to God, that it's not a transaction, that prayer is not just a way of getting what we want. But prayer is an opportunity to have a transformational conversation with God. That we take time. It's beautiful that Jesus gave us such a simple prayer. Such a simple prayer that we could pray in just a few seconds. Because it's, not just about the prayer, it's about the conversation. And so we take time to listen to God, that we pray prayers that, that open the doors that God is wanting to open. That we would sit and we would listen to God, say, God, what is it you're up to? How can I get in on this? That our prayers can move from, from what can I get out of this to how can I get in on this? Right, those are powerful kind of prayers. Those are moments in prayer that, that don't just transform us, but transform the world around us. I'm going to take time to not just speak, but I'm going to also listen. And maybe for some of us, we need to listen to our own prayers. We need to actually listen to, to the words that we're saying. So, you know, is what I'm saying actually reflective of the God of the universe? Right? Is, is, is the way that I'm speaking to him reflective of the, of, the, of the majesty that he has? When we listen to our prayers, we ask ourselves a question, what does my prayer say about God? Right? In the way that I'm praying, in the way that maybe I'm not praying. My lack of prayer might say as much about what I believe, truly believe about God as, as the words that I say when I pray. When we listen to God and we listen to what we're saying, we take captive the, 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 the words that we say and say, what is, it that what is it that we say we believe? We allow our prayers to reveal the theology that, that we're operating in. What does my prayer say about God? Am I praying to a friend? Right, Jesus says you're praying like a friend knocking on the door. Am I praying to a provider? Am I praying to one that I believe could actually meet the need that I have in front of me? Am I praying to a God who who cares enough about me to to step into the the middle of my needs? Can I trust Him as provider? Am I praying to my Father? Can I trust the relationship, this Father who is good, this Father who cares for me, this Father who, who if I ask for for an egg, isn't going to give me a scorpion? This God who's not handing out snakes in some sort of unkind gesture? What does my prayer say about God? And do my prayers reveal my dependence or my independence? Am I inviting God to join in what I want to do, or am I saying, God, I want to be part of what you're doing? God, I'm dependent on you, right? This is a powerful moment, this incredible opportunity that we have to lean in, to to, to take what was distance and what what was observation and move it into action. Say, God, I want to get on the field. I want to play. I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to be aligned with you. This is our lean in moment when it comes to prayer. This is our lean in moment to to take God seriously when He says, This is the kind of relationship I want to have with you. And it would be such a shame. It would be such a shame for us to take a beautiful prayer. God gave us through Jesus Christ this incredible prayer. The framework as I was driving through Yukon territory this week, thinking, This is the Word the word that spoke creation into existence, right? the word who, who spoke all things into existence, the word who spoke the mountains, who spoke the stars, who spoke us into existence, this word that spoke from the burning bush, this word who, as John says, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now this word gives us words to speak. This word gives us opportunity to connect. Will we lean in? Will we take him seriously? Let's pray. God, thank you. God, for your goodness. God, thank you for meeting us where we are. God, thank you for creating this world. God, for the beauty and the goodness and the order God, we don't always get it right. Now, there are moments when we make it all about ourselves. There are moments where we lean into the cultural reality that we're living in, where we allow our human nature to to take over, and we begin to think that we're in charge of this thing. God, forgive us. God, help us get it right. God, this morning we thank you for your son who gave us a perspective, who dwelt among us, who walked where we walk, who gave us words to speak and connection and healthy relationship with you and then he made the way for us. God, we thank you for the cross. God, we thank you for your transforming work in our lives. And so, God, I pray you'd give us courage. God, I pray you'd give us wisdom. God, I pray you'd give us eyes to see what's, what's true. God, that you'd give us this week opportunity to lean in and to, to gain this kind of perspective. God, you are good. God, thank you for loving us so well. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of faith, the one who goes before us, the one who made a way for us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.